Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey guys, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator of this podcast. Um, there's another podcast that you should know about here on the Nerdist Network called The Sleepy Cast. It's the official Sleepy Hollow podcast. Uh, the host of it, Clark Wolf, talks to writers, producers, showrunners, all the people behind Fox's Sleepy Hollow, the show you know and love. Um, it's super fun. It's like this, but it's only about one show. Uh, so check out Sleepy Cast here on Nerdist Network, the official Sleepy Hollow podcast. This is not an advertisement. I'm genuinely requesting that you listen to that. Uh, the Nerdist Writers Panel and the Nerdist Comics Panel are coming to New York uh, in the week preceding New York Comic Con. So that's the second week in October. Uh, October 8th, 9th, and 10th, we have live Nerdist Writers Panels with uh, and comics panels. Heath Corson and I are going to be hosting those. We got uh, Jerry Duggan, who is writing Deadpool for Marvel, and it's so good. Uh, and Jerry is a great guy. Our old pal Charles Sewell uh, are doing a panel on the 8th. On the 9th, we have an official Nerdist Writers panel with Danny Strong, um, who wrote Recount and is writing the Hunger Games Mockingjay movies. Uh, and he also has a new series on next year uh, called Empire. And uh, Alice Cott, who is writing uh, Secret Avengers. And then on the 10th, we have a big panel with Brian Michael Bendis, uh, superstar writer My Brian Michael Bendis, who had created Powers and Ultimate Spider-Man. And he's, he's writing Uncanny X-Men or something. I don't know. He's writing everything for Marvel. Uh, Brian has been on our wish list for a long time, so come check that out. Uh, those will all be podcasts by the end of the year, but I can't say they will be podcasts soon. So you want to come see the live panels. All the links for tickets are at thrillingadventurehour.com. Uh, we're also doing stuff at New York Comic Con, which if you have a badge, you can just come to. Uh, we're doing panels with Brian K. Vaughn, G. Willow Wilson, uh, and Greg Pack. Uh, and those should be pretty cool. And those should be, if they're not already on the Comic Con website, then they will be soon. Or you can go to facebook.com slash panel and check those out. In the meantime, enjoy this theme song. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel and it's hosted by Ben Blecker where he gets a bunch of writers and he asks them lots of questions and it's starting now so this will be the end of the theme. Um, but seriously, how, how do you keep it fresh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's work. I mean, we realized that it's sort of like a marriage where, and it's, it was good practice for actually being married because we sure. knew each other before either of us were married. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think when one of the like really good things that we learned in a writing partnership that sort of applies to a lot of different things across the board is whoever feels more strongly about something wins. And you can always tell eventually mm -hmm. who feels more strongly about it. And so it's like, okay, you feel much more strongly about this than I do, so you get that. And it actually has never not worked. It was, it's always been a really good way of settling disputes or, settle, or, or disagreements. And, I mean, we started out friends. We like each other, yeah. so... I mean, um, we've known each other for, gosh, going since 1997, yeah. uh, where we were assistants at the X-Files. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that was such a great experience for our first job in television where you're, it was so exciting of a show to be on and, like, see scripts come out with Vince Gilligan's name on it and Chris Carter. Even then it was like, and I, I don't know that I've been on a show that 
that I we, there's a, so much anticipation for the new script to come out, and like you can't wait. And it's like oh, Vince's script is coming out, and you can't you. It's the, you from the people drop, working on yes, the show. Yeah, I mean, and everybody amazing. drops everything to read the script. Wow. Um, and I, I don't know that I've experienced that again, what? even. What was it about? Listen, I've got yeah. physique and some butters. Am I saying that correct? Yes. Butters. Um, <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Internet. Finally. Uh, what was it about that show? Was it just people working at the top of their game? I, you know, I think it was hitting a moment in the zeitgeist of just sort of that uh, that level of, of tension and it was so amazing to see something scary on TV, I don't but you weren't really seeing anything at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it was beautifully shot, and you had directors like Rob Bowman and Kim Manners and David Nutter, and and it was just there was this excitement, and like it was these two partners who you could tell they cared about each other, and I know eventually end up getting mm-hmm. them together and everything, but. There was something just very real about their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something real about them, too. I mean, they were both super attractive people, but not TV attractive. (laughs) That's true. And I don't know. I I, I also feel like when you talk about how scary it was, and and I think people don't remember you remember the relationship between Mulder and Scully you remember the conspiracy stuff but you forget how scary it was and that was actually Chris Carter's first goal is he wanted to scare people he wanted to feel like he people to feel like he felt when he was watching the Night Stalker mm-hmm. as a kid or whatever so um, so it was the suspense and it was and it was you hard it wasn't gruesome you hardly mm-hmm. saw anything it was all kind of what was in your head but I don't know it, it just it was, a, it was. I don't know that we'll see something like because it was like affecting the culture. It was kind of oh, it was yeah. crazy. No, and we were. I was only there for one year, and you were there for. I worked for Frank Spotnik. I was there mm-hmm. for three years. But they were so incredibly helpful to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we did write a script, which was purely by accident, because Michelle was going to do an X Files. And Frank had really been encouraging her, and she had this great idea about the Antichrist, and and he was like, "Oh, this is a good idea, but we're already sort of doing a Scully religious story." And Tara goes, "Oh, that would make a really good Buffy the Vampire story." <laughs> yes, I remember you guys talked about this on Jose and yeah. uh, Javi's podcast. Yeah, right? Right. was and when I said, "Oh, I got to talk to this." Uh, <laughs> but that was so it was so great because it, I think just in a global kind of thing for my mm-hmm. career, the nice thing was. One of the things that I, the experience of from Frank and Vince and Chris mm-hmm. and John Scheiben, who all read our material, who sent it out to their agents and everything, was you need help. Mm-hmm. You, you can, if you don't, you can have great material, but if people aren't there who don't believe in you and aren't willing to get it to the right people, it's incredibly difficult in this business. And it's something that's always stayed with us. Mm-hmm. And you know, that you have to help younger writers. And then we were lucky enough to work on SVU with Neil Baer, who came from the John Wells camp, Mm -hmm. was not only do you help young writers, but you teach writers to produce. Hmm. And, you know, I think that is part of our whole thing of, like, on any of the staffs that we work on, is you need, writers need to learn how to produce, because that is what separates TV from film. Yeah. And, That's a great point. You know, you have the opportunity to really shape a TV show. 
and you have all these amazing people on your staff who all have a different voice and can bring something different to it and you're not if you're not utilizing them you're not taking advantage of everybody you can on your staff yeah. well let's let's talk about putting together these rooms i mean you guys are running Two shows? Yes. yes. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Don't you know there are poor showrunners out there? Not according to Deadline. Deadline article like, there's no showrunners out there. Yeah, that's insane. But I think it's in part because of what Tara's talking about. Mm-hmm. People are not being trained to be showrunners. Yeah. Um, and so you'll, uh, and it's, you'll, you'll find it in writing staff where there's sort of high level writers and you realize, oh, they've, they've never, never been in post. They've never yeah. been in editing room. They've never spent much time on a set. They've never had to look at budgets. They've never looked at, you know, visual effects. So they're they're they've worked in the business for years and they don't have the experience. Um, so I think that's what people say. Oh, there's no showrunners out there. What's well, it's in, in part it's it's our own fault that we're mm-hmm. not training writers to be showrunners. Well, and the thing about being a showrunner is that. You yes, the creative comes first, but it's also then as a management position, and you're literally having to manage yeah. personalities. Yeah. Um, you know the responsibility of of the money. You have hopefully have really good people in those positions to that make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole different thing where there are some people who just want to write, mm-hmm. and that's just what they want to do, and they want to be only in the creative and not the business part too. And but that's only then you're not doing the job of a showrunner. Because you have to encompass all of those. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys put together, uh, let's talk about these shows sure. that we're working on now, how do you guys put together your staffs? How do you put together that support system? You read a lot of scripts. Um, and because we've worked in the business for a little while, we know a lot of writers. So the first thing when we are able to hire a staff is like, well, who's available that we like? Hmm. So that's what on Agent Carter, we hired Chris Dingus, who we worked with on Reaper. Mm-hmm. And who we met when we worked on Ed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so you just sort of start to, like, okay, who are the people that I've really loved working with in the past? And then it's a very sort of it's a process of people submit writers to you. Sometimes the network says, hey, we met with this writer and they're really interesting. What's like if you, them? If you look at Agent Carter, um, we have Chris Dangus. Um, we have Jose Molina, who we worked with on SVO. Um, Andy Bouchel, who we have met with multiple times for other sh- for different shows, and it just figured this ended up being the project that worked out to bring her on. Um, Brant Inglestein, who worked with Dingus on a show, and then he suggested we read him, and we loved his script so much. And our assistant Lindsay, Lindsay Allen, who um, we bumped, bumped her up to writer, and Eric Pearson, who wrote the short. On the one shot, shot. and you know he'd never done television before; he'd done features, and he's amazing. And so it's a really interesting group of people. They all bring something different. Some of them read comic books, some of them don't. Um, Some of them have had uh, experiences on comedies. Other ones Mm -hmm. have a lot of drama experience or or action experience. And I feel like we have a really wonderful group of people. And it seems like this was these different experiences is in large part by design. Yes, I mean. It, can you speak to creating the tone of this show? Of Carter? Yeah. Well, I think the tone was kind of nicely set in the one shot as mm-hmm. far as it's it's a period piece, but that doesn't feel old-fashioned. There's something that still feels contemporary about it. Um, and what we really responded to was it's action, it's humor, um, and... Um, 
a little bit of you know the little bit of kind of Marvel slightly mm-hmm. heightened. So but there's it's, it's tension and spies and mm-hmm. but it, it sort of has all the elements of things that we love to do. I think so. It was when when ABC said, "Hey, do you, that that's." That's it's kind of why we're doing. We have two jobs now because mm-hmm. initially the, the way it all happened was we were running Resurrection. That was only eight episodes, so that sort of had wrapped up production by December of last year. And um, ABC said, "Hey, we've got this Marvel prop, and the guys who wrote Captain America wrote it." And we're like, "Oh, that sounds great. We could sort of roll right into that after Resurrection." And then Resurrection's. Uh, aired and started to do quite well. So then ABC's like, oh, we want you to stay on Resurrection. So we just figured, okay, well, I guess somebody else <laughs> yeah. is going to do Agent Carter. And then the network said, or the studio said, can you do both? And we talked about it, and, and we said, well, here's the parameters under which we could do both. Mm-hmm. Like, the writer's rooms have to be in the same general vicinity. Like, we're not going from Culver City to Glendale. And... I think because there's two of us, it makes it a, a mm-hmm. little bit... It's, it's a huge challenge, but... Like today, we'll split up. Yeah. Right. You know, how, how often do you guys work in that way? I'm curious. Uh, this is the first time we've had experiences with the two shows, and we found that there's a combination... We have to do it in a combination. But even when we're doing one show, sometimes oh, you'll sure. be in it ed- editing, and I'll be writing. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I imagine someone is always in the room. And yes. Yeah. 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 But it, but you change off who does what. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, so yeah, it works out. Uh, it's it feels like I mean, hearing you describe the show, hearing about what your staff is, uh, and having seen the short, it feels like Agent Carter is right in your wheelhouse, obviously. Yes. And it's it's, I mean, I feel like am I wrong to say Reaper is sort of the most the purest distillation of what you guys yes. do? No, I think it's, in? that's exactly that was. I mean, we've written on a lot of shows. I mean, I'm very proud of our work we did on SVU. Sure. Um, even on the, our work we've done on Resurrection, but if you're looking at something that can capitalize the things that we think are funny and charm, you know, those it, it, Reaper would be it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the thing we drew us so much to Agent Carter and and Marcus and McFeely wrote such a wonderful pilot, and they've been such a pleasure to work with, and I think they've really enjoyed working in television. This is the first time they've hmm. ever dabbled in TV, and you know. I find them every t- like you know they're they're in our room a lot, you know, and they and we got them another right downstairs. No, no, I wish they were there more. Yeah, um, we would. They're running Cap Three right now, so um, but uh, they're. Oh, can you tell the listeners everything about Cap Three? Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we don't know. We know. Um, let's let's talk about Reaper for a minute. It, it was such it's such an unusually toned show. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get away with it? Because it's it's really good. First of all, I should say, oh, and if we, people haven't seen it, they should. It's all on Netflix and stuff, and they should see it. It's but. a funny. It was a really weird way it came about. It was an idea that we'd had for a long time, and when we came to ABC, um, ABC had said, "Oh, you know, go meet with our different." Um, Pods, our different mm-hmm. producer pods, and so we had everybody because we had just come off of SVU. Everybody wanted to see the cop show. What's the right. cop show you want to do? So we had a cop show pitch, and then we pitched it to Mark Gordon, who does Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and Private Practice and all that, and Criminal Minds. And he liked the cop show pitch, and they said, "Okay, do you want to hear our pitch about guys who uh, work at Home Depot and also work for the devil?" And they're like, <laughs> "Yes, we do." And he got it right yeah. away. Like he got the the humor of it right away. And mm-hmm. I think one of our reference points was, think of, like, Shaun of the Dead. Like, 
guys who are initially too hungover to realize that the world has been taken over by zombies. <laughs> so it's kind of like those guys. <laughs> um, and so we, we pitched it to everybody, and CW were the only ones who were even remotely interested, which was funny because then it was the year that CW became Gossip Girl Network. Yeah. For sure. So we got picked up. Kevin Smith, we, they signed Kevin Smith on to direct it. Mm-hmm. We get picked up to series, and but they also pick up Gossip Girl, and so and yeah. then they decide, oh, we're the Gossip Girl Network, and we're like, we are <laughs> so not that ever going to, and like we're never going to be that. And they kept trying to push. It's like it's it's you've got three morons working for the devil. This will yeah. never happen. And so the first few episodes were a challenge because we were really heavily noted by the network, mm. and they kept trying to force it into something that it was never going to be and they and back then it was repeat the premise of the pilot repeat the premise of the pilot which you don't hear a lot anymore because of people embracing more of kind of continuing storyline but they they kept so we you'll see the first few episodes it does feel slightly repetitive because it is yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and then but that is absolutely we sort of found our groove we had a writer strike in the middle of the season and we came back after the writer's strike, and we had, like, five episodes to finish out, I yep. think. Oh, and they, they stopped paying stuff. attention to us. Really? Yeah. They didn't think... they didn't. I don't think they thought they were going to pick us up. They, and so and we, we did have, the show we wanted to do. We had fans at the network and yeah. studio, but um, so they, they stopped. We stopped getting notes, so we just got... So, well, let's just do... And, and it got really weird and funny, <laughs> yeah. and... We had Ken Marino mm-hmm. and, yeah. and so Lee Black. And then they picked us up for a second season, you know, or like what, a 13 episode you, second season. Why do you think they picked it up? I th- it well, actually did got better ratings than Gossip Girl, and it yeah. re-ran better than Gossip Girl. It just wasn't getting and magazine coverage. WGN, one of their biggest, was like, you can't get, I need some male viewers. Oh, we have sports and all this stuff, yeah. and you can't pull only female-centric shows. And so that's why we got the 13-episode second season. Yeah. And to this day, like, if you look at those ratings, we were on par with Gossip Girl. Sure. And then our reruns did almost as well as our first runs. So, which Gossip Girl, that did not happen. Right. But literally, it came down to magazine covers. That's crazy. But then you'll... Uh, we, but that's, we will still, that's CW. That's what yeah. To this day, and this was years ago, we'll still run into people from the CW. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't have canceled that. Just like, don't tell me that. Right. That right. does not make me feel bad. That just makes me angry. And so Mark Pedowitz, who was the head of ABC mm-hmm. Studio at the time, who loved the show, is now the head of CW. So um, I'm curious. I just want to step back for a second. What was the pitch for Reaper like? It was a fun okay. pitch. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I assume you guys, you pitched it to Mark Gordon, mm-hmm. and then you developed it with them. Yeah, and then we pitched it. We pitched it everywhere. I think the yeah. only place that didn't want to hear was, like, CBS was like, no, no thanks. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was funny. It's like, they would always go, that was really fun. That was great. I don't know that it's for us. The only you know, place that like, it didn't fly at all was we pitched to NBC, and they just kind of looked at us like, what are you talking about. Like nobody yeah. laughed. <laughs> it was they, it was very funny, but like it was it was a funny pitch. I remember it was, well, it was we we were illustrating it a lot. It's like I, I remember specifically. It's like remember the scene from Forty Year Old Virgin Virgin where they're sitting out back and they're talking about they're back at the store and they're talking about something kind of serious as they're breaking fluorescent <laughs> lights on each other. I'm like it's like that. It's like yeah, that's, that's the conversations awesome. that's that so they would telling. be having. Yeah. Very precise. Um, no, well, that's and that's cool. like we had a lot of the key moments from the pilot where like you know 
you know, when Sam basically tells Sock, I I move something with my mind, and I go, Sock's first instinct should be to oh, throw, something throw something at, at you. you. I know, because there's something that hits you. That's awesome. There are moments that we pitch like, that actually are in, in yeah. the actual pilot. That's um, cool. But I love those guys, and there's to this day, we will come up with storylines. Of course. And with the, I have to say, we when Fearnet picked up the show, they brought everybody together, mm-hmm. and everyone came and it was so nice to see everyone and you know Ray Wise, Wise was came. like this was the best <clears throat> show I've ever had you know he was like he loved that role but he, he was like was, I was at the um, Grammys and Bono came up to me and he said I loved Reaper I watched it with my kids <laughs> and I'm like Bono likes the show <laughs> you're like that's awesome but like it just it did really well internationally that was the thing was it, mm. we were they were making money off of it in, in, in the first sure. season of yeah. course well they so wouldn't have they wouldn't have brought it back right yeah. well no but it was it was ABC BC studio for CW oh, so wow. the studio was making money yeah and so it's, that's messy too yeah <laughs> yeah um so you know you guys are sitting around you got nothing to do right now. No. <laughs> uh, but no, you, I'm sure, you know, these things never go away. You do still think of stories. Yeah. You think of these characters. Is there life left in this show? In Reaper? Mm-hmm. It came up when Fearnet picked up the show. Um, I actually uh, have the first scene of the yeah. of the. I, I, already, yeah. I already pitched, pitched <laughs> it to Mark Pedowitz. Uh, no, it did come up, and, and we talked about it for a while, and Mark Pedowitz, who's now the president of CW, was like, yeah, I'll do a summer series with that. And so, but then it was starting to be like, well, let's do a pilot, and it's like, and we were kind of yeah. like, I'm not going to develop a show that I already developed. We yeah. know yeah. what the show is. But there was a moment there, and I think it was be- after we had Fearnet had organized this reunion, <coughs> and the entire cast mm-hmm. came... Um, Christina uh, Willis, who played Gladys, the DMV demon, she showed up. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ken Marino came, she, and he was even a regular. He, yeah. He's like, but I had so much fun, and, and they were all talking about how much they loved the job, and they were all not working, like, or didn't have a steady gig. I'm like, we could do this. <laughs> And the other way to do it is just do it with like Ray and have a whole mm-hmm. new group of guys. But at the but at they the, were so much fun. I know. It feels and that was hate to do. Yeah. What was great about that cast was how much they influenced the characters and yeah. how much we, you know, you have the idea of the character and like Sock was a, was somebody <clears throat> that we actually based on Chris Dingus, the writer. <laughs> um, but you know, and when we met him in person, we're like, oh my god, you're Dingus. <laughs> But obviously he had such influence. But even people like um, Rick Gonzalez, who played Ben, who wasn't traditionally a comedy actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd done um, yeah. the Will Ferrell movie. And, but um, he wasn't, like, uh, Tyler Levine will do anything, will humiliate himself if it's funny. And Rick was a little bit like, I don't know. And Tyler <laughs> kept saying, it's funny, you should do it. And so it really kind of pushed his boundaries. But he's such an odd guy that his oddness, in a lovely and the, way, and the influenced so the character. Sweet. Yeah, That was the thing. Is like yeah. Their little bromance was like... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of heart in there. Yeah, <laughs> and like, Which you can't, you can't manufacture. No. No. And and they all loved each other. I mean, like they all got along so yeah, well, and that really made a huge difference. And then you had Ray, who they all looked up to, and cause because Ray's such a pro, Ray just comes in. He mm-hmm. knows his lines. He says them exactly as when Ray auditioned for us, and we were having a heck of a time finding a devil. And we had lots of great actors come in to audition for the devil. No one was getting quite the mm-hmm. the tone. 
Louis C.K. Oh, was amazing. Like it was weird. Right. It was like a it's totally just right different. Just, yeah. yeah, but he it was so like you're like oh my Paul God. Fee came in. Yeah, Paul Fee. Oh, hilarious. He was like he he really wanted to direct the pilot, and he goes and, and like it was this weird time in his career where I don't know why we mm-hmm. go because we loved him, and he's like, well, I know I can't direct it, but can I come in and read for the devil? We're like, oh yeah. <laughs> It was so funny. It was amazing. But Ray came in, and he has the ability, it's like, he says the line, it's like, that is exactly how it was. Like, it's exactly how that line is supposed Mm -hmm. to be said. And he he had that sort of rat pack twinkle in his eye. Um, So he he blew everybody away. But although I know that initially the CW was like, oh, is he too old to be the devil? It's like, Mm -hmm. no, it's the devil. (laughs) It shouldn't matter. Yeah. Um... It's funny, you know, we, we don't talk very often on these about that alchemy of getting the right people. Yeah, yeah. And, and really, I mean, I assume your room reflected that and, mm-hmm. and your production team reflected that. Absolutely. Well, yeah. If you look at our writing staff, uh, with Kevin Etten, who went on to do Workaholics, mm-hmm. uh, Craig DiGiorgio, who I think has a new show on um, Comedy Central, Chris Dingus, Tom Spezialli, who came from, he was our first boss, mm-hmm. and he coach ran the show with us, um, but he also went on to do Desperate Housewives after that. Um, who am I missing? Tom Schnauz. Tom Schnauz, Breaking Bad, Bad yeah. Better Call Saul, he did Resurrection with us last year. I mean, we had a truly amazing room. Hmm. And all of them also reflected the characters. And we say there are characters that they wrote better than us. Uh, how, there's, I, I would imagine when you're putting together a show, and you guys have just put together a couple of shows, you want to try to replicate that. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back and you find some yeah. of the people you've worked with who can yeah. do that. But uh, let's talk about casting for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even casting, you know, your directors and some of the mm-hmm. key production people um, what's the process like how do you try to find those right people what are you looking for in casting it's it's very interesting I think because it, well it's, it's not dissimilar to hiring a writer where you, you have this audition and sometimes that's all you have you have they've read a couple of scenes and it's like and you you have to sort of take a leap of faith that this person because you don't know anything about their personality and you can do a little yeah. intel but and but uh, typically it's just your, your, it is a leap of faith um, I think when you're casting a pilot and um, I'll, I'll give you an example like they, in Marvel and us we have Chad Michael Murray in, in um, Agent Carter you wouldn't think of um, as somebody in this world, because mm. just because of the jobs that he's had in the past, and so he came in, and the, there's the, the the network testing process is uh, they've auditioned already, and then they come in and they put them on tape for the network to watch. But this is where you get a chance to work with right. the actors. So um, Louis D'Esposito, who's directing the first episode, he's there, kind of giving people direction. So Chad comes in, and he gives a very good audition and then Lewis gives him a note do it this way and he does it exactly that way and that's what's really interesting because you can tell who's got the skills because not all not not all actors have enough experience to understand and implement a note right on the spot it's it's hard Um, and so you'll see some actors will take it will get a note and they'll give pretty much the exact same performance because that's what they had coming in and it's hard for them to make the adjustment and it is It's, it's it's Taking notes immediately is not an easy thing, and Chad 
was so good, and he did it like ten different ways. Wow! Um, and so it's kind of like he's great, and he's this role. So um, I, I feel good about getting a great, great performances mm-hmm. on him because you just know he has the skill set. But for smaller roles, you don't have that ability. Sometimes you're just looking at tape. It's like right. all right, so it's it's a challenge. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. how often are you saying the actor's going to? We know what the actor's going to bring to this, or, you know, if you're writing with someone in mind, we know how this is going to be delivered. You know that down the line, when the series is made, you're going to start drawing on what the actor brings to it. Mm-hmm. You're going to discover things, so you don't have all the answers right. in the pilot. But you kind of have to pretend you do when you're pitching a yes. pilot. Yes. I think right. I think studios and networks are looking for... They want you, they want you to make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... It's going in there and having, like, when they ask a question, having the answer, or at the very least, you know, making them feel as if they're in good hands moving forward mm-hmm. with the project. And, you know, I do think that, you know, it's weird because Agent Carter is the first one that we've worked on that is going direct to mm-hmm. series based on a script. No pilot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a 12-minute short, yeah. but the right. only constant in that short is Haley. Right. You know, and so this is a new experience for us, too, because usually there is at least a pilot. So we had writers who had to sign on without reading the script. Basically say, right. it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean... Well, and that speaks to you guys in, in large part. I mean... Well, and I think to... And to Marvel, with Marvel. Yeah, I well, think yeah. Wanna... well, and this is something I'm curious about, too, uh, for Agent Carter specifically. I mean, how do you, how do you make this your show and not just be, you know, these kind of... People who are executing Marvel's <laughs> grand plan. Because Marvel is not... They're not micromanagers. Mm-hmm. That's what we've... We've had a really nice experience with both Marvel TV and Marvel oh, Studios, so. which is the film side. Mm-hmm. Marvel Studios is really involved in this because it's Haley. It's coming from their... The Captain America Who's directing and he's Lose the president. Direct, Kevin Feige is, is... And they're... They're smart. They're, they don't... They're not dictating what stories we have to mm-hmm. tell. Um, They've actually been really amazing because what we did was, I mean, we worked with Marcus and McFeely and Dingus, and before we even started the writer's room, we broke out temp poles for the eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And we once we had those temp poles and the writer's room started, we brought that to the room, and the room was amazing because they flushed out those eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we pitched that to Marvel and they were so receptive, and they were like, well, you can add this, and you can add that, and we can tie this into that, and I'm being vague for I mean, a reason. They're, yeah, they're yeah. letting us tie into different right. properties that they yeah. have. But you did the initial... Like, we came with the pitch. And they said, we can take and, that. And it helped to have Marcus and McFeely. Well, Marcus and McFeely, they actually, had worked out some sort of right. big moves over the season. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact was, um, and then, you know, Eric Carroll, who works over at Marvel, he's been sitting in with us, and you know they're just, they're very collaborative. There's yeah, no that's that great. that's the nice thing is the only thing that that they'll say no about usually is oh that's too much like something they're doing sure. on the net one of the Netflix shows or that's too much something like something we're doing in Cap Three. But other than that, I've been really and that's that's like okay, well we don't want to be copying somebody, so yeah, it, it's been really nice. That's really cool. Yeah. And what is your familiarity with? Uh, with Marvel, with the World War II stuff, um, with, you know, these kind of... <laughs> up kind up of, until we... I, we familiarize yourself, but up until yeah. here, it, it, it's... I, you know, like... It, I, I don't have a huge comic. Mm-hmm. But that's... 
actually not a bad thing sure. because yeah. I think our and we've I mean we've familiarized ourselves and I like it. I mean I'm a big dork at heart and <laughs> um, but the, what we really want to do on the show is you don't have to know anything about right. Captain America, anything about Marvel, anything about anything to be able to enjoy click the in show. and enjoy That's the right. show. Yeah. No, I mean and I think that there's a a real desire out there for a female lead who kicks butt. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like that, and I think that's where that this property does seem to fit well with what ABC has done in the past with, like, Alias, and, you know, that she's a strong female character with a, a point of view, and, you know, I think the fun of, it's so nice to work on a show where they don't have cell phones, and, you know, things like that. <laughs> no, where, a cop you know, show with no, know, like a, 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 yeah. with no cell phones is and amazing. Internet, and, yeah. you know, it's I mean, it, it, you it, can't it, Google stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Stories must go like that. Like, they spend an act figuring things out. <laughs> you know, but at the heart of it, it'll have all the action fun of something that's Marvel. Um, and then, you know, character development that ABC is looking for for her. And, you know, I think that we'll have a lot of surprises along the way. And it's a continuing storyline. It is not mm-hmm. um, Bad Guy of the Week. That's great. Yeah. Um, it seems like you guys have done a kind of Amazing job of not getting pigeonholed. People want to. I mean, Absolutely. yeah, you know, after, like, the funny thing is our first two shows, which were um, Get Real and Ed, which Get were very light. It was It was, I mean, look at who came I out of that. I love that show. You know, That's Jessica so funny. Eisenberg. I'm surprised you even know what it is. Oh, yeah, come on. Uh, it's about yeah, feelings. Halfway. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, even back Ed, then. Yeah. Come on. No, so we had those two shows, and Neil was the one who basically said, oh, you could do SVU, because we wrote a Soprano spec. Oh, interesting. Was the Soprano spec a calculated move, like to write something a little harder? Yeah. But it was But also, we just really liked the show. Sure. Yeah. Well, Um, it was, especially at the time. Yeah. It was not like anything else. I mean, it had a lot of humor, that show. Mm -hmm. And so, we did that, and... SVU was just a really good job. I mean, mm-hmm. it was one of those we were learning a lot, and we were. I feel like every writer should write on a show like that because it's one story beginning to. You don't have multiple storylines you can cut away to. It's one story. You have to build this sort of airtight story. One scene leads to the next, leads to the next. You can't really cheat anything. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, but after five years of child molesters and rapists, um, it gets very... It, just the subject matter gets to you. Absolutely. Um, and it, then, yeah, everybody... As I was just saying, we came out of SVU and yeah. everyone was like, oh, you're a cop show writer. So it's whatever your last job was, is, oh, that's yeah. what you are. And then we came out of Reaper and it's like, oh, you're genre writers. It's like, well... Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, the nice thing is we've worked and we've worked at... Almost every studio now, um, except for Warner Brothers, weirdly, but yeah. um, where we've had good experiences with everybody, and you know we've met people like Mark Gordon, who to this day, you know, who then had us come. The reason mm-hmm. why we ba- ended up back at ABC was we're at CBS, and he, he had a pilot that he needed showrunners, and he basically had ABC hire us, like basically pay us out of our contract at CBS to come back, oh, wow. and. Um, we had a great experience working on that pilot, didn't go, and that's when they ended up saying they needed a help on Resurrection, mm-hmm. and we went over there. Let's talk about Resurrection for a minute. Uh-huh. Um, tell, tell, so it was a sort of an unusual beginning, it sounds like, well, for actually, you guys anyway. Um, Aaron Zellman, who developed the show based on the Jason Mott book, mm-hmm. um, 
did the show with Burlstein and Plan B, and they did an amazing pilot. And the weird thing is we've known Aaron since he was a Law & Order writer, and his he actually used to write with my husband, Mark Guggenheim, a lot on Law & Order. And so we've known each other for mm-hmm. over 10 years. It's not a big town. No. I think no. people don't realize that. And so... They having a deal at ABC, they let us watch all the pilots. And so we just watched it as, you know, with one of, like, six pilots in one day. Mm. And we immediately emailed Aaron and just said, oh, my God, that was amazing. You did an incredible job. And he was like, great, can you come in and talk to me? <laughs> and literally we went and had a meeting with him. And he's like, yeah, I need, you know, they're asking me to bring in somebody to help me run the show. And um, we sat down and met with him and... You know, it was a beautiful pilot, and the one concern we had when we watched it was, what is it in series? Mm-hmm. And we asked the studio network, like, we don't know. <laughs> and, that was, and that's one reason why last year it was a mid-season, mm-hmm. and, you know, all their mid-seasons are eight episodes now versus 13, which actually makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think it was the best thing they could have done for the show. Yeah. And I think it really allowed us to really explore what the show was, set up a real like dynamic for the continuing storyline. Mm-hmm. It's heavily serialized and, and it's we, a hard show yeah. to to build and to yeah. bring because I mean, it's there's not um the story engine is it's not a procedural, mm-hmm. it's not it's like and you know, somewhat of a thriller even though you don't quite like you don't yeah. realize it at first. Yeah. But it's hard and, and you you can't like a show like SVU where you can have Ten writers working on ten different scripts right. at the same time. Where you can't, you have to, you have to build it episode by episode, mm-hmm. and anything that you change has affects everything. Mm-hmm. So oh, that, that is what I did want yeah. to ask, and then I want to go back to resurrection. But so was SVU? There was no writers' room. No, there's no room. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's like. Two of us in a room for five years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, basically you work you out a lot it. of issues. <laughs> we, we break the story and then you pitch it to the showrunner Neil Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was no, yeah. there was a room. On on our first job, our yeah. first job would get real was run like a sitcom, mm-hmm. um, where you'd actually room rewrite, where you'd have oh, wow. the computer hooked up to a big TV monitor and are like pitching jokes, no um, which was we had never done that before. It was yeah. hard because you're, that's when you're there till two in the morning yeah. and fighting about words with people. Like, uh, but it was certainly good to get your comedy chops. Oh, absolutely! It's a, it's a great yeah. exercise, yes, yeah. for sure. Um, and then, did Ed have a run? No. <laughs> it, w- it had the bosses in charge. Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah, it was a weird thing where with the, we were on the first season, and it was us, a staff writer, and a co-producer, mm-hmm. and then the showrunners, and then we never saw them. Yeah. Well, and the, and the co-EP quit three days in. We're like, we move everything, you move your life to New York, because we'd never lived there. Right. It's a hard place to, to, to like just move to and like get an apartment the whole thing yeah. you get there and literally he's like yeah he goes, I don't think this is going to work out and he left so and you're like uh, did I, <laughs> I, I spent all my savings to move out here and yeah. no it's going to be great it's going to be great and I love the experience of living in New York and mm. it really did help us with SVU sure. yeah and the people who, uh, uh, to be honest with you Chris Dingus we met there. Yeah. Corey. I mean, there's so many people who are still in our lives. Larry Tang, who's a director, was mm-hmm. the post supervisor. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, you know, there's these people that you just collect on every show, yeah. good or bad, and you, they move with you. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so you go from that messy situation yeah. to... <laughs> 
uh, SVU, which is independent study. Yes. Which I hear most of those law and all of those law and orders yeah, kind of much. were. Like, that was part yeah. of the course on those. Yeah. Um, you don't need a room on a show like that because there's not much continuing storyline. Yeah, well, like you say, you're breaking yeah. the yeah. story, which is very hard. I mean, especially yeah. for people who have not done it before. Yeah. Uh, this was our experience on Supernatural. Was yeah. no room and we. Oh, there's no, there's together. no room Supernatural. No, oh. but it was very much the same thing. Nothing to cut away to. Isn't there a continuing storyline on that show? Yeah. That's <laughs> odd to me. <laughs> we we didn't get a vote on that. Um, but so but so you know you do that for a yeah. number of years. That must teach you so much about breaking story yeah. and structure and like. That's no. a great boot well, camp. And the nice thing is. about SVU versus the other Law and Orders is it didn't have the traditional cops yeah. lawyers. We could do anything. And mm-hmm. we, we didn't have That was the nice thing was have that, that structure. Right. We did episodes where you caught the person in the teaser. Like, it was really funny. Um, we wrote the episode with Fred Savage where he was a rapist. <laughs> and when we were on Dollhouse, like, I, Joss was weirdly, like, a huge SVU fan. He's like, I love the episode where Fred's having. We're like, we wrote that. He's like, oh my god! So and like, funny. but like, it was that was an episode where we started with the you knew who it was from mm-hmm. the beginning. It wasn't a whodunit. Yeah, and it really challenged you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really glad we had that experience. But that must have been a fun exercise too yeah. to kind of push out at what this show can be. Oh yeah. While still well, Neil was show. really open to that. Yeah. I think Dick Wolf was very much like the, the structure and law and yeah. order is first half. Cop, second half law, and Neil was like, "Let's be whatever we want to be, mm-hmm. whatever wherever the story." And, he, takes and this us. was after ER, right? Yeah, yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We that did one sense. episode where it was three acts and interrogation, That's and we hard. never left the room. It That's was a play. Really yeah. That was a really like it was scary. Yeah, because Thomas and I did it where they did the whole episode. Yeah. yeah, and I mean we couldn't get away with that, <laughs> but like it was a scary episode to write. Yeah, oh, I bet. How do you even go about breaking that? You, know, you have needs to you're literally and... breaking like the scene because it's, yeah. it's yeah. basically an eight page scene, you know, or ten. And it's different scene. people coming into the room, and yeah, sure. it's you're breaking like what information comes out where, yeah. and um, and it was. That's really. Interesting. I don't remember yeah. they all blend together. Oh, that <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'll watch, I'll, I'll see one. I'm like, did we write that one? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> They're all one word titles too. That's right. Um, and so now, I mean, you obviously did Dollhouse. You did oh. some of these other more serialized things. Although Dollhouse kind of walked the line as yeah. well. Um, with Resurrection, we're talking about something highly serialized. Yes, that was our like first. Like you said, no procedure. 100 percent serialized. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was and a like challenge. Said, this is the way TV is going. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, how much lead time did you get? How much talking did you guys do not, in not, the room before really? Like that, six weeks. That pretty much, if you're on the standard, at, get pick up picked mm-hmm. up at upfronts. You know, you start your room first week of June, and usually sometime in the middle of July, you're shooting. And with such a short order, there's not a lot of room to course correct either. I would imagine. I mean. We had a little bit more room, like in post and everything, mm-hmm. for that. So for the first, because we were shooting um, in July, but we weren't airing until mm-hmm. January. So there was some room for, because oh, you know you don't have to deliver because you're not trying to make air dates. Right. Um, yeah, it's the we, we brought a guy like Tom Schnauz on who had just been on Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, they get 
weeks and weeks and weeks of, yeah. of lead time. They've written almost all of the episodes before they even start shooting. And that's why, it's, I mean, in, in, it, to their yeah, credit, that's <laughs> the reason why it's so good is that they've had the opportunity. And I really, I can't, I really hope that Network catches on mm-hmm. to that. Is, I know Patrick Moran, who runs ABC Studio, wants to start going in that direction. He was telling us, like, if he could get ABC to pick up their returning shows or even pick up Mm. up pilots earlier um, and get rooms started earlier. Right. um, I actually think in the long run, and even from a financial standpoint, I Mm -hmm. think, yes, you're paying the writers for a little bit longer, but I feel like... On the back end, you're not doing copious reshoots. You're not having to fix stuff that is not working in post. I I actually think it would probably be a wash um, financially. And going to, like, a question you had earlier Mm -hmm. about, like, how do you, like, staff directors and everything, there are more things into production now than ever. That's true. Like, I thought that getting our directors for our second season of Resurrection would be so much easier. People, we did well. (laughs) We, you know, people have seen the show because I think, you're not always easy to get directors in a first-year show because it's like, oh, I don't know. Um, it was harder. It was so hard this year to staff directors on shows. Wow. And it was, I mean, because we also didn't get a pickup until pilots got picked up because ABC picked up everything officially the day before Upfronts. Yeah. I we were, we were scrambling. Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly... Like, if we had our pickup two months earlier, like, right. we would have been able to... Whoever, yeah. whoever you wanted. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's, there's something wrong with the system right now. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in a period of change. Yeah. And I think that we all have to adjust to the new... I mean, like, I, I talk to... I have friends who have teenagers, and all of them, they don't watch... On the television, yeah. they watch on their iPad, they watch on their laptop, they watch on Netflix. They, you know, they are on demand. Mm-hmm. That's how they watch their television, and it changes how we should be making it. Yes, and it, it changes these stories we're telling mm-hmm. too. I mean, that's I think that's the interesting thing we're seeing from the creative side. Yes, yeah. Um, very briefly, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, you know, you guys have worked on a number of shows, uh, and even I'm thinking of something like Resurrection, which wasn't your show to mm-hmm. start with. How do you make it your show? How do you get invested? How do you like this thing that you're hired to do? Well, it's not unlike just being on a writing staff of a show, um, not being the showrunner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you always have to find, even on shows like like we worked on Hawaii Five-O, mm-hmm. which we was not necessarily like the show that spoke to us creatively. You know, it, it's it was a fun cop show in, in, in Hawaii, and and I, you know, but so it's like, all right, well, how do you find um, something that you can kind of click into and really enjoy and part of it is you know well we can I, if I can write some some funny lines for somebody I, I will do that so mm-hmm. um, I, I think as a working in TV when it is a group process that is sort of on you it's like you you do have to find what you click in with because if you don't you won't be successful yeah and you'll be phoning okay. it in yeah, yeah. You know, and I and that was something like I've told many writers who like will end up on a show and they're like, Ugh, I hate the show. And I go, Well, 
the best advice I can give you is find something in it you like, find a character, you like. Yeah. something, because otherwise it's really impossible Even to do. Even when we that. went on to SVU at first, because SVU was a different show in the beginning. SVU mm-hmm. was not a successful show, and it was sort of lascivious and gross until and Neil came on Neil to came change on. it. Interesting. And so we didn't know how much it had changed before we came out. We were kind of like, I don't know if I want to do a sex crime show. But then what Neil did is he made it, issues. he brought a lot of, of of the medical stuff in and made it a show about issues. Like, mm-hmm. can you do a show about should we punish children mm-hmm. as adults? Mm-hmm. And so that to him was how he made it. When we came into Resurrection, it wasn't even that hard in Resurrection because they had a great pilot, but there was no real template in the book for why is it happening? What is happening? What and you know the book was really um, the, the you know there, there's not much more story in the right. book, so we yeah. had to come in and basically create what is the mythology of the show? How, what is the drive of the show? What is everybody's backstory? Because you don't know much beyond um, what is already in the pilot, yeah. so it sort of was very easy to invest in it because we were they were sort of on the right. ground level, like helping yeah. to you got to do that flesh all of yeah. that out. Yeah, that's really cool. Asking, what are you watching on television? What are you getting excited about? What are you talking to <clears throat> each other, your rooms, your spouses, your families about? I loved Fargo. Right. I had so much Correct. fun watching right. it, and I, I was it was funny because we were in the room, and I was like. Sioux Falls. It's going to be Sioux Falls for the second season. And then it came out. I'm like, yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I was probably right. And I'm like, I can't wait to see the second season. Is that public? Yeah, no, it was on oh, the, okay. it was on the, uh, it was on Edit. Like, the only reason why I know oh, I'm okay, right good. is because it was in an article. <laughs> um, you know, I really, like, I want to watch uh, Orange is New Black. That's, I think, mm-hmm. the new thing I'm going to start watching. I haven't yet. Um, I'm watching comedies. What so watching? I'm watching Portlandia. Right. Oh my god! My brother got me into it. I cannot. You have to watch Hilarious. Silicon Valley. I do have to watch Silicon Valley. That because to me that was Reaper with like geeks, and I'm like right. I'm like I can see some of That's these conversations funny. being had. Yeah. Um, I'm watching Drunk History on Comedy Central. Oh my god! <laughs> it's literally it's like you see the Winona Ryder one. I was like, this is some of the best work you've done in years. Right? Oh my god, Lisa, Bo- Lisa Bonet, <laughs> shut up! You're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, drunk history makes me laugh like nothing else does. Because it shouldn't. No, here's the thing. It's brilliant because just seeing the people, they get really good people to get loaded and tell the story. Just that alone is pretty funny. And then the reenactments that they do and the actors that they get. They had Jack Black on mm-hmm. recently. It's so well cast. It's, it's so, so funny. I can't. I cannot get enough of it. I wish they were doing a million episodes. <laughs> it, and it's just ridiculous. And you walk away. It's like I feel like I learned something about the Boston Massacre. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, well, that's great. Thank you, guys. Uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, so you have a million shows coming on. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> we'll uh, look for them. Not soon, right? Uh, Resur- Resur- Resurrection's come out. Oh, okay. Uh, in, At the end, end of September. September. And then right. uh, Carter airs in June. It'll be eight episodes. January. Oh, I'm sorry, January. January. Uh, eight episodes in January. Be, they're going to, like... Do a wheel. Air 12, 11, 12 episodes or 10 or 12 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's right. And then eight episodes of Us and then the Are rest you, of Is it tied in with S.H.I.E.L.D. at all? I will say that there are, we want them to speak to each other yeah. a little bit. It is in different time, I and mean, we're in right. 1946, yeah. so it's hard. But you know, we we want to speak to all the Marvel Universe in ways that are fun and reward the 
cool. people who are yeah. into the real diehards. Yeah. How many Hulks are in uh, Agent Carter? Twenty-seven. <laughs> a lot of Hulks. Twenty-seven. <laughs> Mostly Hulks. Twenty-seven. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.